Amen. Thank you, Praise 56. Ten years, right? Ten year celebration, reunion of Praise 56. I was watching that slideshow a minute ago and watching all of those children that have come through Praise 56 and some of the leaders as well and just really, really uh, rejoicing in the Lord that He has blessed this great church with such great leaders. And now some of these children are going to be our leaders in the future. You ever think about that? You better be praying for them, right? We better be praying for these fifth and sixth graders and all of those who've come before them and behind them as well. They're going to be our future leaders, and that's exciting. That's exciting. One of the reasons I'm really excited about our church is we're a multi-generational church. We have a lot of people in contingencies of all agency, ages, and God has greatly and richly blessed our great church. So thank you, Stacy Wolf, again, and all the workers you know, there's so many workers that God's raised up over the years and the 10 years that we've had Praise 56 and really invested in these children. What a blessing it is to invest in kids' lives, that the rewards that we get back from that, and we're seeing some of those. So they've been serving this weekend. They've been on tour. They've been serving at Teen Challenge and uh, Huntsville Rescue Mission uh, this weekend, and so they've been a blessing to us, and I've seen some of the pictures already from their, uh, from their tour. If you have your outline in your bulletin, you want to take that outline. Again, we're in Revelation, so turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. We're going to look at chapter 17 and 18 today. We're going to cover both of those chapters. In chapter 16, last Sunday, we looked at the seven bold judgment that was leased to the seven angels came from heaven. And God said, pour out those seven bowls, those seven vile judgment upon planet earth. And now we come to uh, chapter 17 and chapter 18, which I believe have been the most difficult of all the messages I preach in Revelation. Today's message has been the hardest for me to prepare and also to preach. There's a lot of stuff here, a lot of things we're going to cover today. And so I hope you're understanding. I hope that you're uh, gleaning from these messages as much as we can. There's a lot of things we don't understand in the Bible, but there's a lot of things that we do understand. You're right? And so we need to focus on what we do understand and try to learn more of what we don't understand. So today I hope that you will learn something from the message today. It reminds me of little Johnny's dad. Now, little Johnny's dad would always, just about every night, he would teach him one of the biblical bedtime stories. And tonight's story, he was teaching little Johnny about the prodigal son. And he said, little Johnny was a prodigal son. You know, he wanted to leave his dad, and he took all of the inheritance that his dad had for him. And he left his dad and went out and started partying, just started having a good time and ran out of money. Got ran out all of his money, and then he began to get in the pig pit. He had to stay with the pigs. And he didn't even have any enough food. He couldn't even eat enough food with the pigs. And so he was sorry. He went back to his dad. His dad had forgiven him and restored him back. And he lost everything and didn't have any money and couldn't even eat with the pigs. And his dad said, okay, come on back home. I want you to come back. And so he did. His dad forgave him and restored him. He said, now, little Johnny, what did you learn from that story? Here's what he said. American Express, don't leave home without it. (laughs) I don't know if he got it or not, Chad, but he got some, right? And so uh, I hope that you'll glean something from these messages. And uh, even though at times that we, uh, John uses a lot of symbolisms, a lot of symbols, a lot of imagery, we're going to look at today as well. And so, but there's rhyme and reason to this that God began all the Old Testament prophets, a lot of the prophets we've been bringing out, how they prophesied what was going to happen into the future. Now, one of the reasons we don't understand this because it's futuristic events are going to be happening. And what we're going to talk about today is something that's going to be happening in the future around the end of the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, we're seeing what's happening after these judgments have come upon all of those who are left behind on planet Earth and those who have the mark of the beast. And so the judgment of God, the wrath of God, as we talked about last Sunday, the wrath of God is being poured out on sin, on sin and the sinners that are left behind who refused, who refused to have Christ in their life and those on the tribulation period who refused to have the mark of Christ, if you will, on their forehead, and they had the mark of the beast. And so that's kind of the scene today. And so we're going to talk about the judgment. John introduces us in chapter 17 to the judgment of the woman. 
the woman being the great harlot, and we're going to talk about the judgment of the beast being the Antichrist. Now, who is this woman that he's talking about in chapter 17? Well, let me share with you, it's representative of, of Babylon. The Babylon was the great city of Babylon. And so when we look at this picture on planet Earth and all these people who were left behind in this, in this religious system, in this political system we're going to talk about, it was referred to as Babylon. Because the city of Babylon was very polluted with sin, very vile and wicked city. And this is what's inhabited the planet Earth, what it's going to be like in the future. And so we're going to be raptured out of that, but the city's going to be polluted with sin and all of those kind of things. And so we're going to look at that. So to understand, to really understand this, these two chapters, you need to understand about the city of Babylon. And so we're going to do a little background study before I get into the text. And the reason I want to do this is going to help us to understand more about these two chapters. What he means when he refers to the woman as Babylon, the great harlot, if you will, and the beast as well. And so Isaiah chapter 13 and 14, and then the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 50 and 51. Both of them are writing. If you'll read those two chapters, Isaiah 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 50 and 51, they both give background and describe the destruction of Babylon at the day of the Lord. Now, we know that the city Babylon was destroyed in the 7th century. But we're talking about the day of the Lord. During the seven-year period, tribulation period, is what's, Babylon refer- is what's Babylon being referred to here as the woman. The woman being Babylon. In verse number 18, we'll look at that of chapter 17. And so our, our text really alludes to Babylon being this religious system and this economic and political system. And remember the seven-year tribulation. To understand this, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, remember the great world leader is going to come on, the Antichrist, and everybody's going to be drawn to him, his charisma and all of those things. And so they're going to set up this religious, this is all of the, this religious system. This is all of the economical systems of all the, all the people coming together in the name of religion in the first three and a half years. And they're going to all come together and sing Kumbaya. He is a great world leader. And we're all being very religious. And then in the second half, the, th- the second three and a half years, the beast is going to turn on the woman and he's going to present his political system. The economic political system, and so we'll see that just in a moment. But that's kind of the setup, what's happening in this last days in this judgment. All right? Now, Isaiah thirteen nineteen says this, And Babylon, the great, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And so God's going to judge Babylon... He's going to judge this religious system, this economic system. He's going to judge planet Earth and everything that's going on. And then Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 49 says this, As Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall, so as ba- at Babylon the slain of all the earth shall fall. Again, he's referring to the coming judgment upon the woman, which representative of Babylon and the beast as well. Here's the truth. Once again, the prophets that we see, the Old Testament prophets, are regarding, prophesying during the day of the Lord, this seven-year tribulation period in the end of time in the book of Revelation. A little history about Babylon, just a little history, because I want to help you to see this and understand it. Babylon is mentioned in the Bible 280 times. The city of Babylon is mentioned 280 times, more than any other city in the, in the Bible except for Jerusalem. Babylon has been called the cradle of civilizations. Babylon was located where the Garden of Eden was at when the time even began. So it's called the cradle of civilization. Babylon is most significant pagan city in that it existed in regarding of the influence that it had of religious, government, and economic status. The founder of Babylon was Nimrod, who also, it was Babel. Remember that, the Tower of Babel? It was Babel. So the founder was Nimrod, the emperor Nimrod, who became a dictator. He was the grandson of Ham, who was the son of Noah. So the founder goes all the way back to the dictator Nimrod. And in Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, 
Nimrod persuaded all the people to build a tower of Babel, trying to get to God. You know that. Babylon was located on the banks of the Euphrates River. It's where modern-day Iraq is. So think about that. The country of Iraq is right where Babylon was. And it's being restored and resurgence, if you will, and resurge. And so I'll talk about that just in a moment. I want you to see this. Now, Babylon produced a ruler by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He was the king of Babylon. He captured Israel and, uh, and Daniel and the Hebrew children. You know all about that in the, in the prophecy of Daniel. And finally, the great city of Babylon was conquered and laid waste, but it wasn't totally destroyed. And we've seen in recent days... The uh, resurrection and the resurgence of Babylon by another ruler, another dictator, by the name of Sodom Hussein. Right? Sodom Hussein of Iraq, of Babylon, if you will. Now, I'm reading a book by one of our own, Doug Harbison. And in this book, he, his book is entitled The End Times and Beyond. And Doug has been writing about this, this, all of this end time things, the eschatology, if you will, the study of the end times. He's been writing about that, but he had an article in that book I thought was very interesting. Now listen to this. On July the 28th, 1990, Diane Sawyer and Sam Donaldson took us by TV and satellite to the city of Babylon or the city of Iraq. They took us there, and uh, on Primetime Live was the name of their, their show, and they pointed out that Saddam Hussein had spent billions of dollars rebuilding this city, this Babylonian city, as a monument to himself. And during that program, Diane, Diane Sawyer said this. Listen to this. I want to read this quote that Diane Sawyer said. She said, Now Saddam Hussein dreams of rebuilding the grandeur, reclaiming the vision... This is Babylon, 2,500 years ago, the dazzling center of a rich civilization. There were the hanging gardens, the palaces, all built by a man who managed to unite the country and rule with an iron hand whose name was Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, right over here, she said, are the bricks that bear the ancient stamp. It says... I am King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, King of everything from sea to far sea. But there are also some more bricks, Diane Sawyer said in this documentary, imprinted with a different stamp. This one says, and the camera focused there in Arabic inscription, it said this, I am Saddam Hussein, President of the Republic of Iraq. So Babylon has a great history, if you will, of King Nebuchadnezzar and other kings, but also one that we saw of Saddam Hussein. And we saw how the destruction of that city, how we went in and, and uh, dealt with him, right? And so that's kind of the background of this great city called Babylon. And now in chapter 17 and 18, John is taking us, and God is calling Babylon the great harlot, the great harlot, the one that was unfaithful. A harlot means somebody's been unfaithful and prostituting something. And so they're prostituting religion and false religion. So in that day and time, in the tribulation period, there's going to be a lot of religious people there, but it's going to be a prostituted religion. It's going to be a religion that's false religion. They're going to have all kind of wickedness going on and all kind of stuff going to be happening on planet Earth. During this seven-year period of tribulation period. And so God's referring to this as the great harlot. Babylon, the great harlot. It's a symbol. Babylon is a symbol of all of this that's happening on planet Earth during the tribulation period. So we need to understand that. So the message I've entitled, The Not-So-Beauty and the Beast. The Not-So-Beauty and the Beast. The Woman and the Beast. And so we're going to look at the fall of Babylon. Chapter 17 and chapter 18 is about the fall of this religious empire, this political empire that's set up by the Antichrist and the woman, the Babylon, and is going to come to destruction. And so that's, that's the entirety of what chapter 17 and 18 are dealing with. So I wanted you to see the background on that. All right? Now, uh, the key to understanding this is really understanding the symbolic of Babylon. 
what it's a symbol of. It's a symbol of the religious system that's going on. And also we'll see in the last half of the three and a half year tribulation, it's a symbol of the economic and the uh, political system that's happened when the beast takes charge and overcomes even the woman. And we'll see that in our study, okay? Number one, in your outline, John's vision of the woman. He's going to show us who this woman is in detail, matter of fact. So look in chapter 17, and uh, let's, let's look at verses 1 through 6, okay? I told you it was hard to preach, so this is, I'm trying to help you, all right? So listen closely. Chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me and said to me, Come, John, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot. Now, there's that word harlot again, which means unfaithful, prostitution, all of that. All right? Committed spiritual adultery in actuality. Who sits on many waters. And again, we'll see the scripture will tell us in a moment that means many peoples and many nations and tribes. All right? With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her, the woman's, fornication. There's Babylon again. So he carried me away in the spirit, John says, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Now this is the woman and the beast together. Which were full, the beast was full of names, of blasphemy. We talked about that already in chapter 13. Having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, very wealthy, a lot of wealth during that time, having in her hand a golden cup. Now notice this, having in her hand a golden cup of abomination and the filthiness of her fornication. In the name of religion, the name of religion, all of this stuff is happening. And on her head, and here it is, verse number 5. And on her head, a name was written, mystery. Now notice that word, mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, those who had been beheaded, those who had been crucified and burned alive, all of those who had been martyred, the blood of, the, of that is upon this woman, upon the Babylon, the system that's left in the tribulation period. So I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs, there it is, of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement, John says. He marveled with great amazement. Now, in, in Revelations, there's four women that are referenced. Number one is Jezebel in chapter 2 of Revelation. She's reverenced at the coming apostasy that crept into the churches. And then secondly, the woman's referred to as Israel. In chapter 12 of Revelation, uh, Israel was referred to as the woman. And then chapter 17, the harlot, the apostate world system. And then in chapter 19, we'll get to next week, the bride of Christ is referred to as the woman. All right? As a woman. All right, so there's, there's four of them. Now, in verse 5, the great harlot, again, symbolizes the unfaithfulness, the prostitute of false religion upon planet Earth. Now, this is in the one world order. You need to understand this. All the world has, we, has been on planet Earth and during the seven-year tribulation. Everybody has come together. All the nations have come together. And they're worshiping one world order and one world leader. The Antichrist has set himself up. Now, he's nice to everybody. Everybody loves him. And, and, the, and, the, and the woman, the Babylon reference, everybody's getting along in, in the name of religion. So everybody that's left behind, even though they're vile and wicked and all of that, they're trying to have some kind of religiosity and doing it in the name of religion. But we just saw it was polluted. It was filthy. It was fornication. And they still think that's, oh, we're just going to worship. And mostly they're worshiping the beast. They're worshiping the Antichrist and the religious system. And so we see that in these first uh, seven, uh, first six verses. Here's a truth in your outline. Watch this. Put in your outline. From the very beginning, Babylon was associated with sorcery and astrology. Remember the Tower of Babylon? King, they tried to reach up to heaven. And then in King Nebuchadnezzar, if you'll read in Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, remember what was in his court? There were magicians, 
Remember that? There were magicians, there were astrologers, sorcerers. And I'm going to inject something here. Be careful what your little ears are listening to and seeing. Just be careful, parents, what these kids are watching. In King Nebuchadnezzar's court with all these magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers, and all of that kind of stuff. And you see what has kind of led up to some of that in the last days. And so uh, uh, that's what's going to be on planet Earth in the seven-year tribulation. It's going to be this religious system with all kind of stuff going on. All kind, you can't even imagine what all is going to be happening. David Jeremiah said this in your outline. In evangelical churches today, no matter how positive the message may be, without the foundation of biblical teaching and preaching, churches are committing spiritual adultery. Even today, they may sound good, but if they're not preaching the Bible, they're not preaching Jesus Christ, they're committing spiritual adultery. They're just preaching a bunch of religious stuff, right? And so that's what happened here. And so, led by this harlot, the philosophy, everyone came together in the name of religion with the Antichrist. Now, notice they merged together. Now, here's another truth in your outline. It's almost impossible to merge religion with politics. You cannot legislate morality. Right? And that's what was happening. For the first three and a half years, if you'll do a study on this, the first three and a half years, they were merging religion with the politics of the one world leader, the one world government that was set up. The, the, the revised Roman empires we'll talk about later on. And so they had all this set up and everybody was together the first three and a half years. Remember, everybody believed in the Antichrist, everybody worshipped him. But in a moment, I'm going to show you, he's going to turn on them. The Antichrist is, he's going to even annihilate the woman. This religious system, he's going to set up a political, strictly political economic system. He's going to show his true colors. And we'll see that just in a moment. All right? Now, I want you to see uh, it, uh, verses 7 uh, through 8, uh, verses, chapter 17, verses 7 through 18. And he'll explain a lot of what I've just said in the Scripture. But I wanted to kind of give you a, uh, a preview. Now look in verse 7. Let's read the text, verse 7, chapter 17. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel, John? Even John was marveling. The mystery, couldn't understand. What is all of this? It's a big mystery, this harlot, this Babylon system. And so uh, the Bible says that the angel said to John, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and was again. Remember the Antichrist, the beast was killed and came back to life. Remember that, chapter 13? The beast that you saw that was and is not and will extend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition or destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. When he shows his true identity. What he's speaking of there. Here is the mind which has wisdom. Now watch this. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sets. The seven hills of Rome, if you will. is what he's speaking of here, and I'll share that more. These are the seven kings. Not only the seven mountains or the seven hills, but they represented the seven kings and the seven kingdoms. Each king had a kingdom or over a kingdom. And so there are seven kings. Five have fallen. One still is. And the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. Now here's speaking of the beast, the Antichrist. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, which is part of those seven. And is of the seven, it says, there it is, and of the seven going into destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. Now this is reference to Daniel, the ten toes of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar built and erected. These are those ten kings that he mentions there in Daniel. The ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour. That's significant. We'll talk about it. For as kings with the beast. They're, these are of one mind. There again, they're together. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority, look at this, to the beast. 
Hold that place just for a second. Now, what's happening is this religious system of Babylon's, what he's explaining there, they're going to all worship the beast and give their power and, their, and give their allegiance to the beast in the first three and a half years. But then something's going to happen after the first three and a half years. We've talked about this in chapter, some of the other chapters. Now, watch verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb. You know who that is, don't you? Capital L. Now, these are, these, these are those who are coming in Armageddon. These are all of these kings and nations who are coming against the Lamb. Watch what happens. And the Lamb will overcome them. We win. For He is the Lord of hosts and the King of kings. And those who are with Him, guess who that is? Us, the church. Look at it. And those who are with Him are called the chosen and faithful. That's us, the church. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot set are the peoples, the multitude, and the night. That's in verse number one. He explains what the, the, the harlot that sat on the waters, that she sat on all these people. There's thrones of people, millions of people in the tribulation period. And so that's what he said. And then the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. Now watch what's happening here. Watch verse 16. The ten horns, these kings if you will, which you saw on the beast, they're going to make war with who? The harlot, the the religious system. Why would that happen? Because the Antichrist hates God. Even though it's an apostate religion, it's still religion. And the Antichrist hates religion, so he's going to show his true colors in the second half of the tribulation period, three and a half years, and he's going to come and overthrow the harlot even in the name of religion. He's going to restore all signs of religion. And so he's going to come against the harlot, the woman that represents the, the, the apostate, if you will, religious system. And he's going to set up the economical, political system where he reigns with all power and no more religion. No more evidence of religion at all. Now watch this. Let me finish chapter 17. And, the, and then the ten horns which you saw with the beast, they will hate the harlot. They will make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill His purpose, the prophecy, to be of one mind. They were all together at first the three and a half years of one mind and to give their kingdoms to the beast. Until the words of God are fulfilled. In other words, God rules and God reigns. All of this is prophecy happening right before John's eyes. He's witnessing all this prophecy that's happening. And in verse number 18, it explains right here who the woman was. And the woman whom you saw is that great city. So the woman is representative of Babylon, a symbol of Babylon. It's what he says. This woman who you saw is the great city, Babylon, which reigns over the kings of the earth. And that's the conclusion of chapter 17. And so uh, he explains exactly what's going to happen. Now let me uh, just help you with one couple of things here. Uh, the beast, we talked about this in chapter 13. The beast is the Antichrist. The woman is represented in the religious system of Babylon, but the beast is the Antichrist. In verse number 18, it talks about who the woman was. And so we began to see in chapter 18 who this beast is. It said it had ten horns. Uh, in a moment, it talked about that. Now, this beast is a monster. He has a, he described with seven heads and ten horns. Now, they're symbolic. He's not an actual figure with big horns sticking out and all of that. This is symbolic of the heads or kings and the kingdoms. And so we want to look at that. Now, the five kings, look in verse number 10. 17, verse number 10. These are the seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and one another has come. And then he, after he comes, he must continue a short time. Now, the five kings that have fallen are representative of these kingdoms. It would be Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. Those are the five that have fallen. The one that is in John's day when he's writing this is Rome. The other kingdom is Rome. And the kingdom that is to come is the kingdom of the beast himself, which will be destroyed. And so he's given evidence of these kings and these kingdoms that are coming. 
Uh, and, when you, and when you compare these kings, these five kings that have already fallen, Julius Caesar, Tiberius, uh, you have Nero, Claudius, uh, Dominican is the one that he's speaking of that is today. And, and when John was writing Revelation, it was Dominican who was the ruler, who was the dictator in his time. And the seventh is to come would be the beast himself. And so he explains those. And then the ten horns, again, are the ten kingdoms and ten that are coming against Israel. In the battle of Armageddon, all these kingdoms are coming. They have leaders. And so he's referring to all of these kingdoms that are coming against Israel and Jerusalem and even against the beast. I mean, uh, the uh, harlot. Now, uh, the beast is going to destroy the religious system. We talked about that. I'm just trying to help us. Now, just give you a comparison so you'll understand this beast, or this woman, rather, the woman compared to the woman who's referred to later on in chapter 19 as the church. You know, the bride of Christ. So we talked about that in the New Testament. But in chapter 19, the marriage supper, it's the, it's the woman who would be the church, if you will. And so the apostate church, and here in chapter 17 and 18, is referred to as a harlot. The true church that's coming is referred to as the pure bride of Christ. The harlot is in the wilderness. The bride is in heaven. The harlot is adorned by Satan... And the bride of Christ is adorned by Jesus himself. The harlot is judged, but the bride reigns forever. The harlot is stained with the blood of martyrs, and the bride of Christ is, is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And so we know that the Lamb, it's talked about that in, in uh, verse number 14. They're going to make war with the Lamb. And we've already seen all of these bowls and these judgments, these trumpet judgments and the, and the, and the, uh, the seals. All of these judgments have come upon planet earth. And what John is doing is giving us an overview of all those things we've talked about. All the destruction during the tribulation period. He's given an overview of what's going to happen leading up to the battle of Armageddon. How all these kings and kingdoms are coming against Jerusalem, coming against the Lamb to make war with them, but it's, the battle is only going to last one hour. <laughs> Notice that. It talked about that. We'll see it in chapter 18. So look at chapter 18. All right? Chapter 18. I'm going to do kind of the same thing with that one. This is the fall of Babylon. The judgment, if you will, and fall of Babylon. All right? Now, look at verses 1 through 3. And these things I saw... I, when I, these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried and mightily with a loud voice. Look what he said. Babylon the great is fallen. It is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Verse 3, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornications with her. That's the Babylon system, if you will, the woman, with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And by the way, that's probably a reference to oil. Because in Babylon and Iraq, we saw for many years it was, the, it was the bed of oil of luxury. They had all this wealth. Sodom Hussein, when they took over the temple, he had a gardens, he had luxury, all kind of gold. <coughs> Excuse me. He was filthy rich. Filthy rich because of the oil and because of all of that. And so this Babylon system that we saw was very, very wealthy. And all of them were, were, were luxurious, if you will, in their wealth. Now, Babylon is judged for her sin. If you're in your outline, number A, we see the fall of Babylon. God is judging Babylon, but he's also judging the beast as well. But Babylon was judged because of her sin in verse number 2. It was despicable. A dwelling place of demons. Look at that in verse number 2. Now, B, Babylon is also judged because of her influence. Because of her influence. Now, I want you to watch verse 3 through 5. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. Notice verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her. 
Now, he's speaking to those who haven't taken the mark of the beast. Come out from among them. Watch this. You sh- you, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive, uh, receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. I told you last week, everybody that sins gets caught. And somebody was talking to me this morning about, man, I cannot believe that we live in a nation. It's what's happened over the past few days we've seen. I can't either. I can't either. But I'm telling you one thing. It's going to get judged. It's going to get judged. I'm telling you, sin's going to get judged by God. Now, aren't you glad that Christ judged our sins at Calvary and took the penalty and punishment of our sins as Christians? But if you're not a Christian... You're going to go through this, this period of judgment. And we'll talk about that in chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. That's who's going to be there in the final judgment. And all of this is leading up. And so I want you to understand what's happening here. God's judging sin. You say, how can God bring all these plagues, all these things? Because he's judging sin. Look how horrible it is. We're living almost in the day of the Nebuchadnezzar culture right before our eyes. Look how things have changed over the last 10, 20, 30 years morally. You see, we're, and, and, and it, it said it came up to God. The sin came up to heaven. And God said enough. Time for judgment. And there's coming a day. There's coming a day that God says enough. That's enough. I'm going to judge the world. And that day before that happens, we're going to be raptured out of here as the church. My plea to you is, don't get left behind. Don't get left behind. Now, you can either believe what I'm saying or not. That's between you and God. But I believe this Bible. And I'm going to preach it to the cows come home. Amen? It's the truth of God's Word. And we better listen to what God's saying. So I don't understand all of that. We don't understand enough to know that God's judging sin. And so we need to hear that today. And so... uh, we see these judgment of God. The influence. Notice that in verse number 5. He's talking about his influence. Render to her just as she rendered to you. And repay her. Look at this. Double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Double for her. That's why it's going to be so horrible. I mean, judgment is horrible. And uh, he's going to judge them. And I would just, uh, just say, as he talks about the influence there, because of the political system and what's happened... With all the wealth, uh, America is really a wealthy nation. We really are. We are so blessed. We got our own oil now. We're not dependent on the Middle East as much for our oil, and we're wealthy. And and and, and I'm telling you, it seems like right now people have more money than they probably have ever had, and we're doing more stuff than we ever did. We're taking more vacations than we've ever taken in our lives. We're buying our children more than we've ever bought them before because we're a wealthy nation. We really are. Now, I want you to turn to James chapter 5. I want to show you something. James chapter 5 in the New Testament. Look what was happening in James's day. We know that Timothy wrote a lot about this than Paul. But look what James writes in chapter, one, uh, chapter 5 of James. Look in verses 1 through 5. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. And by the way, let me inject this. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing wrong with having stuff. It's, how you, it's what it does to you. It's what it does to you. And you've got to be careful. A lot of people use it for God's glory. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Your miseries that are coming upon you, your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. And you will eat your flesh like fire. Remember what he talked about a while ago? The, the bird's going to eat the flesh. You're going to eat your flesh with fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. You've heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who moved, mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, you cry, they cry out, the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. Look at that. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. 
So James gives a picture of what's going to happen in the last days as well. With all the wealth, with all the corruption, is coming a day of judgment. And so we need to be aware of that. And so we got we to gotta come out from up. Remember how God called Lot out of Sodom? He was about to destroy Sodom. He said, Lot, come out of there. Get out of there. Get your family out of there. Remember what he did for Noah? Noah, get in the ark. I'm about to destroy the civilization as you know it. Get in the ark. And he's calling us as Christians to come out of a sinful world and out of a sinful lifestyle. Come out of that. And meet Jesus and live. That's what he's saying today in the church today. Come out of the world system. Come out of that fleshly life. The world of Satan. Take Jesus and live. Amen? Amen. Now, number C is he's judging Babylon for their pride. Verse 7 and 8. Watch this. In the measure, in the measure that she glorified herself... Now, this is Babylon once again, how it was glorified in its wealth. And all. Remember Sodom Hussein himself? He was prideful, had all this, all this wealth and rule. And he said, for herself and live luxuriously in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, watch this, this is the arrogance, this is the pride. I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. That's pride, right? Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the word of the Lord who judges her. And so we see that she was judged on all of those aspects. Now, the last thing I want you to see in your outline, the world mourns for Babylon. Now, the world is being those who are left in the tribulation period. They're mourning for all of this. It's happening. They're seeing destruction right before their eyes, and they're mourning over Babylon. Now, I want to read verses 9 through 20. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, watch this, Alas, alas! The great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. One hour your judgment has come. And the merchants, notice the merchants and all those living there. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. No one, can, no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver and precious stone. It goes on and on there in verse number 12 and 13. It talks about all the riches they have there. You can read those. Verse 14. The fruit of your soul, look at this, the fruit of your soul long for her has gone from you. It's not fun anymore. It's not luxurious anymore. It's gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and silver, for in one hour, here it is again, watch this, in one hour such great riches came to nothing. I thought about the image of Sodom Hussein. This man had wealth. He was the dictator of Iraq. He had everything you could buy. I mean, he just did like that and he had it. And we saw him on the TV in a hole in a pit. You remember when he came out of that pit? He looked horrible. His old beard was scraggy. His hair was all mad. He'd been living in this hole. And all that wealth and all that fame and all that fortune. And we saw how he ended up. I'm telling you, without Jesus Christ, it's going to be a sad day. It's going to be a sad day. And if you don't have Christ, I don't care what else you have. You may have intellect. You may have finances. You may have everything you ever dreamed of. But if you don't have Jesus, it's going to all come to end. One day. One day. Payday someday. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the truth. And so I'm trying to help us today. And so the world is mourned in one hour. And the truth, all wealth, luxury, and splendor of that great city will be gone in one hour. You know why it's going to be gone in one hour? 
I sh- we shared this in the, uh, in the Battle of Armageddon. That all these people are going to come, all of these armies. We saw Megiddo, the plains. They're going to be filled with armies and kings. And they're going to come against Jerusalem. And then Jesus is going to come, the Lamb. And he's going to speak the Word of God. And it's going to be over. Not going to be a big battle. <laughs> he's going to speak the Word. And it's going to be over. Judgment. And then the great white throne judgment is going to take place. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. God's really speaking to our hearts. Now, what's verse 17? One hour, great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, every sailor, as many as trade, all the trade, the merchandise, they cried out. The smoke of the burning of the great city, the Babylonian system has come to an end. They're all crying out. They threw dust on their head, a sign of weeping and mourning. Now, look in verse number 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven. And your holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. God's poured out his wrath on planet earth. The system of the Babylonian uh, religious system, the first three and a half years, and then the second three and a half years, what we describe here, the beast, is he's poured out his judgment on the political system, the government, if you will, of that day. It was corrupt. The Antichrist was in charge, and even the beast. It's being destroyed. Being destroyed. Now I want to read the last four verses. Chapter twenty-one, chapter 18. Look in verse 21. Watch this. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it in the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall be found no more. That quick, one hour. Now watch what happened. Remember when Jesus said, if you, if you hurt one of these little ones, if you hurt one of my little ones, it'd be better for you if a millstone was tied around your neck and thrown in the sea and you'd be no more. This is the picture. This is the symbolism that he's using with this millstone. Babylon's going to be overthrown in one hour just like that and they're going to be no more. Destroyed. And so that's what he's alluding to in verse number 21. Verse 22. This is a sad commentary. I want you to listen to this because it's kind of sad. Now think about the world right, as you know it right now. You're going to leave here in a moment. You're going to go eat. You're going to be at work Monday. You're going to be out in the world. And everything's going to, the music's going to be playing. And everybody's going to be working. And all of that's going to happen. All of that. But what's going to happen in the end? Watch what happens here. What's happening in the end? Here it is. The sound of the harpist. The musicians, the flutists, and the trumpeters shall not be heard in you, Babylon, anymore. There's going to be no more music. The music dies. No more craftsmen. Won't hear any buzz saws, no hammers, nobody working. Destroyed. None of that's going to be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard. The grinding, if you will, the work of the corn. Notice this, verse 23. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. Nobody's going to say, let's go to New York and just see the lights. Not going to happen anymore. It's going to be gone on planet Earth as we know it. The city lights will be gone. Now watch this. It's worse. For merchants who were great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations have died. Now look at verse 23. The lamp of the light shall be no more in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride. What a great celebration when a woman meets a man to get married. Isn't that a glorious time? They walk down the aisle, everything's beautiful, everybody's singing. Not going to happen anymore. Going to be no more marriages. Going to be no more celebration in the end times. Everything that you can imagine that you love today will be gone. And that's what hell going to be like. You're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in destruction, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and have nothing like that anymore. Nothing. Can you imagine a world like that? We think about what heaven's going to be like. How many times have we thought about what hell's going to be like? No music. No lights. Nothing but wailing and gnashing of teeth. Forever. Separated from God, separated from your loved ones. Chapter 16 of Luke, the, the, the wind that went to hell, the rich man looked into heaven and saw him. That'd be hell in itself, wouldn't it? 
just to see your loved ones up there celebrating life. And so, as we wrap up this part, and I'm glad we're wrapping it up. Believe me, I'm glad. I'm glad 18's over and 17's over. Because the next four chapters, we're going to heaven. We're going to start looking up into heaven. Amen? I can't wait till we get to the end of these. Hallelujah. Now, this is all the sad news. It's going to be over. In one moment, Jesus is going to speak the word, and it's over. And then all, they're all going to appear before the great white throne judgment to receive hell. That's just annihilation there on earth. And then the millennial kingdom is going to come. We'll talk about that too. And so uh, as I close, I just want to say, you don't have to go there. You don't have to experience what I've just described a sad commentary, get no pleasure out of preaching these, these messages on the destruction of the world. But in order to enjoy, enjoy and see what heaven's going to be like, you've got to see what hell's going to be like. So you won't choose hell. And by the way, are you listening? It is your choice. God's provided a place for us, as He did His disciples. You'll be with me forever in a place called heaven. But he's also, there's a place of separation from God for the devil, the Antichrist, the beast, and all the angels, the demonic angels. There's a place reserved for them. And all of those who have the mark of the beast in their head, they're going to be separated in a place called hell forever and ever. And again, we'll look at that great white throne judgment. I just want to plead with you today, if you've never made Christ your Savior, that's the way you escape it. You can't escape it because Grandma's going to pray you through Pray you out of purgatory. No such thing in the Bible as purgatory. You can't get prayed out of it. Amen? And so the way you get out of it is through Christ. He comes into your heart and your life. And by the way, not only do you get heaven, you get the fringe benefit of having a life right here now. Heaven on earth, per, per se. And so I'm just encouraging you to be saved today. If you never met Jesus, today is your day of salvation. I wouldn't let something discourage me like a big crowd or I'm embarrassed. I don't, if that's going to cost you hell, I'm telling you, you better come on. Amen. Just like I did, Chad did, a lot of us have done and been saved. There comes a day you just got to say, hey, I'm sick and tired of living as sick and tired. I'm ready to meet Jesus. It's your day. I'm going to invite you to come. Maybe looking for a church family. We'd love to have you join this church. Come and let us help you grow in Christ. The altar will be open if you just want to come and pray. But I'm just talking to those today that need to be saved. You need to come right now, sir, right now, man, and settle this in your life. I'm pleading with you. We'll help you. We'll love on you. We're not going to embarrass you, but we want to teach you how to be saved. Father, would you bless this invitation? As we are about to pray and we're praying, as we're about to sing, Fathers, we're about to stand. We're going to ask men and women, boys and girls, who've never given their life to Jesus, to come and just talk to one of us, say, I just need to be saved. That's all you need to say. I need to be saved. You don't have to explain anything. You just need to say, I need Jesus. And we'll help you with the rest of that in private. And so I'm encouraging you to do that today. But if you're here today and you are saved, you're looking for a church home. There are a lot of visitors last Sunday came and said, we're in the area. We're looking for a church. We'd love to have you come join us and go through our new members class and tell you about who we are. And so you need to come today and take one of us and say, I'm ready to join this church. Or if you just want to come and pray about a matter, have someone come with you, they'll do that. Or just come and pray. I'd encourage you to do it in Jesus' name. As we stand, Father, would you bless this invitation? Stand up and come. As we sing, Dwayne, you come on right now. Come out of sadness from wherever Come on, God's speaking to you. You come.